stories like crazy. Because everyone has mental health, and everyone has a story, and sometimes they're crazy. Join Lori Lane Murphy and me, Adriana Prosser, as we talk about dealing with, struggling with, and managing mental health with storytellers that want to share their true life story. Get in the conversation with us and talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. Now, let's smash some stigma. This week, we talked to Christy Jennings, an ambassador of hope with Ontario Shores, and she's a passionate volunteer and mental health advocate and ally, and she met with us at Drinks and Dragons in Whitby, so that's why it might get a little echoey at times. But hey, give us a break. We were smashing stigma. Let's listen to her story. I'm an ambassador, yes. Yes. And yeah, so just grew up in the Whitby area, ended up becoming an ambassador. One of my coworkers, actually applied for me to become one, I guess, or whatever it was. Nominated, Nominated, that's the word, nominated. So then, yeah, they just asked me to come back. She's lovely. I'm okay. (laughs) I'm all right. I don't know. She's a good girl. So, yeah, I've I've done a lot of work with Ontario Shores, like, um, when it comes to volunteering. So that's why I was kind of affiliated with it. I've always kind of – I've had a couple issues with myself, but it's more so family members that I've dealt with – Along those lines, so that's what I'll kind of get into today, I guess. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So. Lay it on us. Yes. Totally recording. Totally recording. Are you? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So yeah, my name's Christy, and I grew up here in Whitby. I actually went to Anderson, just down the street here from this beautiful so. place. Um, so I've lived here my whole life, and I remember Ontario Shores being like that thing. I think we've talked about it the other day. I I'm, grew up playing hockey, so I always went to Iroquois, and I remember everyone being like, that place down there, you know what I mean? Like, that road down there that's taking you down, that crazy place. But it's so much more than that, and I actually didn't realize that until I left for university. I actually went to university in the U.S., so I... I um, went to school, I have my degrees in criminal justice, but I went down there for on a lacrosse scholarship, so I was there for four years, and I actually missed Whippy. I couldn't wait to come back. So um, came back, and that's when I actually realized what Ontario Shores actually was, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I started, I wanted to do some volunteering um, within the Durham region because I wanted to give back to the community, so, um, and it was actually my work. My work gave us a day off if we wanted to volunteer anywhere in the community, and I decided to reach out to Ontario Shores to see if they needed someone. So cool. So they gave us a paid day off. So, I, yeah, exactly. Wow. I have a really great company that I work for, Shandex. It's, it's actually in Pickering. And so I took that opportunity. I got connected with the foundation, and um, it was just a great relationship from there. And I literally have never left. It's been probably about three years now. So every year I take that opportunity um, to work with Ontario Shores, and I'm pretty well connected there now. I love it. Um, I ever knew anyone I meet that says like, "What's Ontario Shores?" Because a lot of people don't know, um, and if they do, they think it's a nut house, which is absolutely not. Um, I will tell them how amazing it is, and that's why when we did the event on the weekend, the doors open was huge because it brought people in from the community to really understand what Ontario Shores is and for Daryl to actually walk them around and being like it's so much more than you even know and it's so true. It's not scary. It's not not scary. It actually feels like a second home to me which is pretty crazy. Like I feel comfortable when I'm in there and I feel comfortable around everyone that's in there and us being connected. Like even the first time I started talking to Lori when I think it was here that we first met and uh, I've never felt more comfortable talking with someone. It was pretty crazy. Like I was opening up to you about things that I haven't even talked. Hey Ashley, give me a ride home. 
Yeah, yeah. And then I gave her a ride home. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, where do you live? And it just so happens we live down the street from each other. There but um, yeah, seriously, right away. And things I've never opened up about and um, wounds that have been, I've been kind of putting in the back of my mind for a long time and for me to feel comfortable enough to talk to you. And honest to goodness truth, it just like came flowing out and I felt awesome after it because it's only recently that I've, I've started talking about the, the death of my father, which um, we can both relate to. Um, so just my dad had cancer and um, he had a lot of mental health issues because of this. Um, I also have a lot of mental health issues within my family. My uncle passed away, unfortunately, from suicide. So that was kind of, that was when I was in high school. And that was another memory I've kind of put back in the back of my mind. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I think it's kind of a good thing now that I'm actually able to talk about it. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I forget about these things, which is terrible because I love my family and I miss them dearly. But sometimes I find myself putting everything in the back of my mind. So it's a terrible thing. But now that I can talk about it, I get emotional about it, but I'm okay. I'm okay. And I, I honestly didn't think I would be okay. I thought I would have severe mental health issues um, going through what I went through with the loss of my father because he was my best friend and he was my world. So... Um, it's only recently that I started talking about it. And you were, young. you were young. I was young. My sister was about to get married. I was 20, yeah, I was 27 when my dad passed. I am 31 now. Um, we found out my dad had stage four lung cancer from smoking. And uh, it, it, was, it was very quickly, it, it's very scary to see someone be... So I guess normal to us. I don't know yeah. if that's the word. Larger than life. Larger than life. Extremely active. We're in a very active family. Being a baseball player. Hard worker. I've never met anyone to be a harder worker in my life. Still working through this all. Literally one second okay and the next second doesn't even know how to walk. Yeah. And doesn't know how to shower. Does that make sense? So I'm like... So it was kind of... It, it was a confusing time for me because like... men People deal with mental health and I mean they see it in all different forms. So this was something that I never in a million years could even imagine seeing, and here it is in front of me. Um, so giving back to the community when it comes to, giving back when it comes to cancer or mental health, it's extremely important to me. So I, I dealt with, after his passing, I dealt with uh, my own mental health issues, but I was going to, to talk to someone um, in Oshawa, actually. So that helped with, with how I was feeling, um, with the grief process, because everyone deals with everything differently. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I feel great today. I feel great. And I'm, I'm so happy that I'm saying that because I remember when he was diagnosed and I know tons of other people in the world go through this. I honestly felt like I was the only person at the time because I didn't know anyone else that had, especially as someone at 27, um, to deal with something like this. And uh, I remember grieving before his death. And I think we touched on this. Like, um, I remember driving to work and just crying, like, how am I going to get through the day? How am I going to get through the rest of my life? Because obviously stage four cancer, you know what the outcome is going to be, and it's going to be quick, and it's scary, and it happened quicker than I would have liked, obviously. <laughs> Anyone would have liked. But um, I grieved big time. So uh, I think he passed within five months, and this was someone that, like I said, was running around and going to drywall at, at 5 a.m. in the morning, and... <laughs> being in palliative care and still saying I need to go to work it's like no dad you don't you know what I mean but like memories that I have from him being in the hospital and going through like not knowing how to shower not knowing how to walk like those were memories that I kind of keep in the back of my mind so um and I'm dealing with them now I'm able to talk about it which is great and even going to see 
Um, so I want to talk about it. Uh, it's kind of weird for me. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Telling people like someone I don't know all these stories, like, can they relate to it? I don't really know. So it's cool being connected with people that, that understand me um, and have been through something similar and want to talk about it, I guess, and want to listen because I don't want to put my issues on someone else sometimes, if that makes sense. So, you know, I don't know. I listening to you, and I, one of the things that I've, I've learned, having lost my dad, now was, you know, he passed away in 2005. Yeah. It was a similar scenario. One minute he was, you know, foghorn leghorn, this big, bigger, larger than life, and the next minute he's gone, and it was about nine weeks. And it just, boom, it just happened. Um, but I don't think anymore about getting over it. Adrian, I know you know this too. Why, when are you going to get over this? When are you going to be <laughs> fucking hate that You know? And yeah. it, to me, our grief and loss just make up our story, right? They're the things that we don't, you're never going to leave the death of your father behind, the death of your brother, the death of my father behind. We carry them with us. Right. So it's about moving forward, not necessarily moving on. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to forget all of those things. And to say, to just from my perspective, moving on means that all of these important, incredible memories and people and relationships are, once they're done, are you done? Does that mean we can't draw from them anymore? Does that mean that they don't, they cease to have the importance? But my dad is still very present in my life. There's still, you know, times that I talk with him or I, and if, if I, moved on, I would be leaving him forever. And I just think it's a it's more empowering to think about moving moving through life now with him in a different way. Yeah. I like that. So there <laughs> in the eulogy that I gave for my brother, uh, there was a minister who said something about uh, nothing fills the gap and nor should it. Yes. And that because as a priest he's saying like God cannot fill the space, right? right? And that was important for my, my family, um, for me to, to include God in the conversation. Uh, and I know that that's not true for everyone. Uh, but for me, I really clung to the nothing fills the gap, and nor should it, because that space should be reserved for them. And it is, it's a gap, right? It's a wound. And and it's, and it's something that um, is like an emotional scar, it's an inner scar, um, and that that's okay. Right, because this is this is their space, and it's reserved for them. And to say that anything would be what the, the, the cumulative sum of my brother's presence, your father's presence, your right. father's presence. There's nothing that can fill that yeah. gap. Yeah. So stop trying to fill it with booze, drugs, yeah. loud music, whatever vice there is, or trying to patch it over with a band-aid and say it's fine it's fine it's fine because it's not it, it's it's it is something that will always be wrong it will always be a gap and it's theirs and that's okay and i really i always keep coming back to that nothing fills the gap like it's something it's probably my next tattoo you know <laughs> it's a i love good that one. and and you know we talk a lot especially on this podcast and in our rules as ambassadors of hope about you know the importance of smashing stigma around mental illness. There's also so much stigma around grief mm-hmm. because it's another one of those things. If I'm feeling good, I don't want you bringing me down mm-hmm. with stories of your 
what was me and you know I don't want it nobody in my life is dead right, <laughs> right? and that's and, why I have a hard time talking about it sometimes because my friends your, don't necessarily relate but right and, I don't want to keep talking about it all the time I feel like I am want to be uncomfortable right? right and I say to that from the bottom of my heart tough shit <laughs> because life is hard sometimes and if we are truly going to support one another then we support one another through everything and you might not be, give you an example. My brother and I never talk about mental health and we've grown up together. It's not that we don't speak. We just never talk about mental illness, never talk about mental health. He doesn't ask about my mental health. It's not our thing. And I know I've commiserated with you about this, um, Adri, but I went on and on and on, mad and mad and mad and mad that he wouldn't talk about it, wouldn't talk about it. And I finally realized he's not my guy. He's not my guy to talk about this with. And that's okay. But I'm not going to stop talking about it. He will either receive it or he won't, and then I will move on, and I will go to the people that do receive it. But I see that grief is a lot like that because it's just I don't want to catch you crazy. I don't want to catch you sad either. Right. I don't want to. Ugh, or if I spend too much time talking with you, it's going to bring me down. And isn't it fascinating how we turn everything onto ourselves? Mm-hmm. We do. It's even the most compassionate, empathetic people. We still have a tendency to. How is this story impacting me? Instead of just saying, let Christy tell her story. Right. And I will respond to your story, not through my lens, but through yours. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate you guys allowing me to talk about it because... I'm glad you did. Anytime. Uh, yeah. Hey. It's kind of... It's, it's a... Because they're in the past and yet still very active for us personally... Yeah. But that, that's hard to manifest for, I want to say, muggles. Like, you know, like for the everyday so-called normie. Right. It's normie, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, it's not weird for me to say to my partner, when he's like, you were, you were out on the balcony for a long time. I'm like, yeah, I had a smoke with my brother. And he's like, oh, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> that's something that's happened because over the past, like, nine years, you know, my brother used to come over and he would right. smoke on my balcony. Yeah. So I do that with him. Right. And, and like you were saying, you talk. You know, and it's and it's one of those things where like I feel like that's totally it's totally your process and what you need to do, and that I don't think that we should feel bad for wanting to include them in the conversation because it's still a very active love for us instead of a passive thing for uh, for others, um, and they'll get it in time. Like the the thing that thing that I think really sucks is that in time you are going to be the person that your circle of friends calls up and says, I don't know, how, how did you deal with this when you were 27? Yep. How did you, how did you do this? Can I come over? You know, and you're going to be the go-to. Right. And right now it's difficult because they don't want to talk about it. But, you know, unfortunately, death is very much and something that that's happened with to us. you, did it not? It does oh, happen yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You hear that? Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, it's like a Minnesota. Yes, we're in Fargo. Um, <laughs> And that, you know, people down the line are just like, I, I think that you're the only one that I can talk to about this. And yeah. so it's really lovely that through Ontario Shores and your ambassadorship, you are racking up the toolkit <laughs> to help your circle and to be a resource. Yeah. Like, that's, that's fucking great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Superheroes without capes, man. Yep. In every day. 
Yeah, I've met so many amazing people because of Ontario Shores. Us getting connected, the other ambassadors, everyone that I've met there has been nothing but supportive and amazing and welcoming. So it's been great. It's a real circle of success. Like the people, everyone there, at least that's the feeling that I get, is there to support one another to succeed in whatever that looks like. The common goal is, of course, to bring mental illness out of the shadows. And in this particular instance, bringing Ontario Shores out of the shadows because for decades, a hundred years, that's what we're talking. Um, And I think I've said this to both of you at separate times, obviously. Um, We used to get threatened with it from my grandmother when we were little. (laughs) If you don't smarten up, you're going to the nut house. It's so true. She would either threaten us by putting us on the train tracks to play. Yeah. Go play on the train tracks. Oh Oh, yes. Oh yeah, go play on the train tracks. Or you'll be going to the nut house if you don't stop slipping your teeth. Or whatever. It's great. Yeah. It is so true though. Just like thinking about growing up and like even kids were like scared to go down there. Who's gonna go down to Ontario Shores? Yeah. Yeah. All all the time. All the time. They need to know how awesome it is. Well, this is our hundredth anniversary hence. Why we're doing the ambassadors of hope. So you know, nineteen nineteen. That's, it's just insane. And like the little history area that they have right when you walk into Ontario Shores, everyone needs to just take a day and go down there and get educated on everything. It really is an amazing place. It's gorgeous. It is. It's beautiful. And, you know, and that's the thing, it's just getting people through the doors and to understand the work that's being done there. It's not different than the work at Cam H, right? Right. Which, right. funny enough, I was just thinking, because I'm a little history buff for Toronto, yeah. they were, they are also the Looney Bin. Yeah. And yeah. they let's were, be let's be clear, yeah. they were at um, 999 Queen Street West, and when they tore it down and built it back up, like 100 years later in like yeah. the 1970s, because it was built in like the 18, like late 1850s and through the 70s, um, they moved it like a foot. They say they moved it, but they didn't. And they went 1,001 because they didn't want to be known as 999 Bin. Isn't that weird? They're trying to like break away from their own history. Yeah. As though, like, like you're saying, like, you know, that there's this, this stigma and like, we'll throw you in the loony bin and whatever GMA is threatening you with. Yes. Um, that, that Cam H, the provincial lunatic asylum, yeah. uh, wanted to get away from their own skeletons in their own closet. Yeah. So they're like, Very we're going to be a thousand and one now. Yeah. It's and fascinating. Now we <laughs> yes. We're totally different now. Yeah. Cause we're like three feet to the left. Yeah. So that is so know. funny. But I think it's important, all of these conversations, to let people know now that the conversations themselves have changed. I mean, this is not, we do not treat people the way that we did. Now, sadly, it's not that long ago, Whoa. 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, um, I think about my own father going through his shock treatment yeah. in the 80s. Oh my gosh. It's a very different experience than now. Um, however, we do, the fact is we do know more now. Yeah, and we are talking about it more, and there are there is research that is changing lives and changing families. So it's a real gift to be able to do the stuff that we're doing down here at Ontario Shores, and it's a gift to do this podcast and get to talk about all that kind of stuff. You know, so thank you. Thank you, ladies, so much. I hope I can come back again soon. Of course. <laughs> yes, when you become a copper. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Another <laughs> podcast for another day. Yes. yes. Stay show. tuned. Thanks for listening. If you want to join the conversation, and we hope you do, come find us on Twitter and Facebook. And you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. That's it, Stigma Fighters. And remember, your story isn't over yet, and we want to hear it.